And we have lift off. Yay. <laughs> Okie dokie. See, when we put our minds together and know the truth and feel worthy, everything opens up for us. Isn't it beautiful? Mm-hmm. <sighs> so we take that breath of love and gratitude together. Grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the unprecedented, unlimited flow of love. Grateful and thankful to say yes to the truth that sets us free. We're grateful and thankful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self. We are grateful and we are thankful to... Call upon the company of heaven, the ancestors, and all that is holy. We call upon the beings of love and light from the fifth dimension and above to walk with us and talk with us in this holy instant. We open our mind for a clearing. We open our heart for purification. We are dedicating this time together to our healing, to our awakening. And we're grateful and thankful to join together for this holy purpose. We're sharing the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. And we're grateful that we can truly open ourselves in this way. Our willingness is so present We're so available for the healing, so grateful to call it forth, so grateful to allow ourselves the freedom to be our true self. We're grateful and we're thankful to let the healing be, to accept it fully, to allow it fully, and so it is. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes. What a blessing. And I'm going to share one of my favorite prayers from the Seven Sacred Flames, the Prayer of Surrender by Master El Moria. Beloved Father, Mother, God, into thy hands I commend my being. Use my love my thoughts, and my life in selfless service to Thee. Release from me all that hinders the fulfillment of my holy purposes and ascension. Teach me to be kind in the ways of the Brotherhood of Light. Direct and establish my life stream in ways that daily and hourly my true identity in God manifests. Beloved God, presence I am, eternal Father, Mother, God, may the covenant I made with thee be totally fulfilled. May I live my life to feel your love and see your light. May your will manifest on earth as it is in heaven. Into thy hands I surrender my being, that through me God be glorified in all things. And so be it, beloved I am, beloved I am, beloved I am. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that line, may the covenant I made with thee be totally fulfilled. And 
one of the things I feel so strongly is that we do have a covenant with our Creator. And that covenant is to know ourselves as the light and to know ourselves as the light is literally the same to me as living in service to the light, to be our light selves, our light being self in this world or any other. That is fulfilling that covenant because when we're being our true self, then we're being of service. We're serving the light, the light that lighteth up every man, woman, and child in this world, every particle of life in this world. When we're serving the light, we're serving God, we're serving ourselves, we're serving all humanity. And to me, that is the goal, life of service. And so we're not trying to get anything. We're interested in being our true self. This this is the, the goal here. And as we're going into Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States, for um, those of you who are in our group who are not uh, U.S. citizens, then... Uh, you probably know quite a bit, actually, about our Thanksgiving holiday, uh, but it is the biggest family holiday of the year, which means that it's more likely that people will gather with their family for Thanksgiving than at Christmas or any other holiday. And it's not a religious holiday, Thanksgiving. It's actually a um, it's a national holiday. So uh, it transcends religion, which is nice, which makes it, um, you know, when sometimes in a family you might have, uh, say, a Catholic family, but not everybody goes to church, so there could be some tension uh, around Christmas or maybe somebody married someone who's Muslim or Jewish or something that creates some kind of tension. But that that's not really the case with Thanksgiving because it just applies to all Americans. And the whole idea of a holiday dedicated to being thankful is, of course, uplifting to all. And um, so it's a, it's very important to us as Americans, for many of us, to celebrate Thanksgiving. And it's also the day before Thanksgiving. It's the biggest travel day of the year. And then the day after Thanksgiving, because many people have it off because it's a Friday. So most people have a four-day weekend. Um, that Friday is, we call it Black Friday, because it's the biggest sale day of the year, and it puts a lot of businesses that are in the red into the black. So a little history there for the non-Americanos. And um, did somebody say Americano? No, sorry. That's an espresso joke. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling silly. Um, so... In keeping with this gratitude and as we're going into the holidays, doing the deeper work with our family and 
making ourselves more available to be loving, to be compassionate, to be kind and to serve the light. Uh, I would like to open up for discussion, uh, particularly uh, something I was talking about in the radio show today. So uh, even though we've been doing this work together for a while and and many of us doing it very diligently, there is still, and I experience this sometimes myself, for sure, for sure, there is still sometimes some resentment, some regret, some upset, some stuff that's buried in our experience with our families. And when the holidays come, it gets triggered. And when things are triggered, as we well know, that's our opportunity to bring it to the light and to heal it. So this is a great safe space for us to work on these kinds of things together and to hold the light for each other. So sometimes what happens is the stuff is getting triggered and people are going to be spending time with their family and it's extremely valuable to have a lot of clarity going into those situations about exactly what it is you would like to create, to manifest, to bring forth in service to the light. So, and in service to your own joy and to heal long-held patterns in the family. So, I am wondering if anybody is uh, available and willing to share anything. I'm going to move us into unmuted, so um, you won't have to raise your hand. So just uh, be prepared here to self-mute. You can already do that on your keypad, on your phone is the best way to do that. And here we go. Well done. Okay, so, and of course, um, you know, for instance, Moira, I see you're here on the call with us, and uh, you don't have Thanksgiving down under, but uh, it's, you're welcome to to contribute, of course. Uh, so anybody have something they'd like to share that, because um, I used to go into the holidays like this. I used to prepare to be And that was a common thing for me. Prepare to be disappointed. So I'm wondering, does anybody have anything they'd like to share? Any concerns you have or any dedications you'd like to make of how you're going to do things differently this year? What your your intentions and you're all unmuted, so you can go right ahead. Jennifer, you're going in and out this recent. Okay. I don't know if it's just me or if it's other people that are hearing that. Just 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 in the last moment or Yeah. Okay. Is it better now? Maybe it's just me. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. I, I actually I I picked up my laptop and I moved to see what was scratching in the underbrush. I was hoping the pigs had returned, but it was the chickens. So there you go. And I think the signal wasn't so so uh, good over there. Sorry about that. 
so if you can hear me, if there's anything that you'd like to share, anything you're working on, uh, any declarations, any concerns regarding your holidays, your family that you might like to bring up. Or even just to share uh, some noticeable success that maybe you've noticed lately. That would be great and encouraging as well. Okay. Good evening. I have... oh, go ahead, Carla. Uh, uh, oh, somebody else speaking? I'm, I'm, I talk a lot, so that's fine. Mary, why don't you go first? Thanks, Carla. Okay. Thank you, Carla. I just wanted to say that I feel more prepared for everything. You know, I've been sharing with the group. Mary, Mary. Yeah. I think you're yeah. holding the um, microphone too close to your mouth. Is it too loud? It's just, uh, it sounds like it's a bit muffled. Well, the microphone is in, in the earpiece. I don't know. That, what, is that, that, is that, that okay? That sounds better. Yes, that sounds much better. Thank you. Okay. Is that okay? Yes, it sounds much better. Thank you. Okay. My family, you know, we uh, the family ties disintegrated when my mother died in March 2013. Mm-hmm. So the fall, that was the first Thanksgiving, and then 2014 was the second one without the family. So this is the third Thanksgiving without any um, family, you know, biological family. So I really feel like I'm more upset accepting and I don't know why any of this really happened in the family dynamics but I'm just accepting that there's a divine purpose for it all and that there's uh, a good reason you know there doesn't really have to be a reason but that good is going to come out of it Mm -hmm. and I'm just holding the light to everything and praying for family and requesting um, divine guidance and love for all of them and accepting that, you know, my relationship with them is really over. It, I mean, it's it's a major divorce for your whole family. So, um, and, and it feels, every year it, it, it feels better. I mean, it feels more comfortable, more allowing, more accepting, so, you know, it's uh, it's it's going to be good. I mean, it's good's going to come out of it. Mm. That's all. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and Mary, um so we've we've walked this journey with you over the last couple of years and we've heard you shift and change around it. And the next step, I would say, is to accept that the relationship will never be over because you're all infinite, eternal beings and one with each other. And so there's no way for your relationship 
to end. And Whoops. Peter, yeah, Peter, if you could just self Yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah, no worries. Sorry. No, no, no problem. Uh, glad you're on the call. And so uh, we, we, uh, but uh, what you're saying is we don't know what anything is for. It doesn't really make sense. But moving into that acceptance, knowing that something higher is being served. And also to recognize, look at the transformation that happened for Hugh Lynn and his patients, for every the, the staff in the um, facility where he worked, and even the actual physical facility itself all shifted because of his doing that ho'oponopono. So your beautiful space of holding the highest and best for all will bring benefits and healing and transformation. We don't know what that will be looking like in physical form, but it's definitely a resurrection in uh, spirit, in relationship. And I highly encourage you, if you haven't been working with the resurrection flame and those resurrection affirmations, to work with I am the resurrection and the life of all my relationships. And I am the resurrection and the life of my family. Mm-hmm. That feels uncomfortable. I am the resurrection and the life of my family. I mean, it just, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it's, I get more warm fuzzies when I think about Chris's family and my, my relationships I have with them than I do my own biological family. But it doesn't feel bad. It just, it just, uh, doesn't feel comfortable. I mean, it feels comfortable. I don't know what to say. It's, uh, I guess the warm, fuzzy feeling isn't there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can it's, understand it's okay. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, but thank you for that. That's that's good. I, I will. That sounds really good. Um, except that the responsibility, the relationship is really never over. I've thought about that, but I, I don't know that. I know that's true, but I guess I really haven't put the words to it. So when I hear you say it, it uh, I can believe that. It, I know that it's true. You know, one I mean, of it's the, good to hear you say that. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that, Mary, because one of the most challenging things for me in my life, truly one of the most challenging things for me, has been to not lock people out of my heart, to not say it's over, it's done, it can't be fixed. And just any manner of statements that take me out of the holy instant, that take me out of the possibility of love and healing. I, uh, living in my ego, I would so every day practically just say, yeah, I'm done with them. That's over. Yeah, I don't need them. Not that you're doing that, but I'm just saying I'm so familiar with those patterns of um, ego that wish to put a label on it and say, okay, 
here's the label. I'm putting this in this container with this label on it. That's done. That's over. And I don't have to think about it anymore. Now, me doing that never stopped me from thinking about it. But that was the hope of me and my ego. Oh, I'd just like to stop thinking about this. I'd like to stop feeling that there's something more for me to do about this. And um, uh, for me just saying, I don't, I don't know what anything is for, and I am willing to be that fulcrum point of love. Teach me, show me, let me understand it. Let me know. That was so helpful to me. The willingness. And did you have the same mantra when somebody locked you out of their life? Or did that... Oh, that's such a good question, Mary. You know, I've definitely had people lock me out of their life. And that is definitely one of the things that happens for many of us on the spiritual journey, uh, uh, especially as we become more loving, more compassionate, more open-minded, more willing and available to shift and change. For some of us, it can be very threatening to family and friends, and they will um, lock us out of their life because they don't want to know about it, and they don't feel um, good about comparing themselves and seeing, oh, this one is shifting their life. This one is taking their power back. And so if they could do it, I could do it. That whole thought process is so threatening to many people that they just will walk away. And I've definitely had that happen to me. And, you know, it does feel um, sad. It feels hurtful until we're willing to really just say, I'm, they're still in my heart. I still love them. Nothing has changed over here. And I don't know what anything is for. I love them. Bless them. It's not easy. Thank you, Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. Carla, did you want to go? Yes, speaker. Okay. So, this isn't family, but um, I had an experience today I'd like to, I was writing about it and I really want to remember what I learned from it, so I think it'd be helpful to speak about it. Uh, Remember about the, I talked recently about um, doing how I do the leaves for the whole neighborhood? Okay, so I just kind of grew up. Anybody who hasn't heard it, it's kind of grown to that. So, but there's one person in the neighborhood does not want me touching their lawn, and so I'm really cognizant. I do my best, but sometimes I'm I'm like in the zone raking. It's almost like meditation, right? And mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of cross over. 
I'm like on the street, so I don't notice that I'm mm-hmm. crossing over on because so, I don't do her property all the way out to halfway out to the street. I just res- try to respect it, right? Wow. Um, so today I was raking and I had accidentally raked some leaves onto in front of like about a foot inside her property on the street though. And um, so I thought, wow, I should remove those because I put them on her property, right? So mm-hmm. I was raking them and she came out upset <laughs> at me mm-hmm. that um, – I was doing that. That was like on her property, which I was on the street. I mean, so whatever, but it was interesting watching that, watching how I did that, what happened. Mm -hmm. Because at first I was like defensive in the way I said, well, I've asked permission from everybody because she doesn't like me helping any, she doesn't like me doing anybody's leave, like anywhere. She's not happy. She thinks I'm invading their property, and I hear it. It's her, her stuff. But first, I started defending, and then I did go to a thing that I I saw like right when I did it. Uh, maybe that wasn't a good thing to do. Like I said, well, you leaves don't stay in your property, you know, sort of thing, and kind of attacking, really. Not even defending, and so, um, and that really stirred her up really a lot. And so then I just listened, and after a few minutes, she lost wind or energy or whatever, and went inside. And um, and but I noticed after she was done, I was upset, and. I started crying, and because I really want to be helpful. I mean, it's I don't do it just for that. I do it for my own personal reasons too. But I'm really trying to be helpful, and that's really made me sad. And um, and then my other neighbor who appreciates it, she just happened to come on. She used to not speak to me for a decade, and now she. I'm like amazed because I see this is very different, yet what came out of her mouth showed me that we're not different at all. Mm. We're very much the same, you know, and um, it was so sweet and it just like brings tears to my eyes now. And then, um, but the most, I mean, I learned many things from it, but I think it took me about 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes after talking to her that I realized that I am grateful to that person. And this is the first time I've been able to do that without, like, days of recovering because if she hadn't, she, when she spoke, all if it triggered me at all, it's because it's always within me. And if, she could not, there's nothing she could say. If I didn't really feel good about myself and know where I'm coming from my heart and trust myself, she couldn't have upset me at all. 
And so because it, I became a little disturbed, I realized that that is something within me that needs to heal. Mm. And I'm actually grateful for her for, cause this is kind of all a play and she's act, and she's acting her part is the person to show me that. Yeah. Who, cause, cause of what she does and that is so, I mean, I really felt it for the first, I mean, I think I've logically thought of it, but for the first time, I'm really feeling that in my heart, and I'm so grateful to her. Now, can I do that all the time? It's probably easier to do with someone who's not in your family because you're not attached. You Mm -hmm. don't care about them as much. I I don't love her in the same way I love my sister, you know? But um, and I'm not saying that I could do it all the time, but that was so sweet. Uh, sweet experience. I really want to remember that. I was journaling it, and I really am grateful that I get now this is recorded, and I can hear me mm-hmm. for a long time. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good learning. Mm-hmm. Yep, we can even get attached to people letting us be of service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And feel some righteous indignation about what should or shouldn't be going on. Anybody else have anything going on that they're thinking about? With I have their... a question mm-hmm. back to your statement about with Mary. Oops, sorry, I put myself on mute. And the resurrection. Now, I've been doing the resurrection and uh, every try, you know, as part of my nightly, mm-hmm. as well as the purity affirmation. So, but. Is it just, it almost sounds like it's, is it magic just to say it, or you're saying it's miraculous, well, define magic. Uh Is it like kind of, hmm, it's a good question, because we don't actually change anything in our lives. We allow it by allowing spirit. Um but yet it's our thoughts that control the outcome, or at least our perception. Um, I've never been clear what magic is in the Course, uh, except that it's pretending like some sort of magic pill is going to solve all our problems instead of going to, which is really our thoughts, I assume, Mm -hmm. that is going to solve our problems, our our misthinking. I can help you with that. So the uh, excellent <laughs> magic, as it's defined in 
A Course in Miracles is really anything that you feel has a power that's separate from that power. So, for instance, uh, and resurrection is a perfect thing to talk about in this context because uh, what we are doing by means of our spiritual practice is we're eliminating everything. And so, for instance, uh, every appearance of something that's less than a manifestation of spiritual qualities. So spiritual qualities are peace, harmony, love, joy, abundance, prosperity, clarity, purity, freedom, wisdom, like that. So anything that doesn't seem like a manifestation of those, for instance, pain, suffering, that we say, rather than use spiritual practice to heal this, I'm going to use pills. I'm going to use... Um, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm having a, a difficulty with the flow of abundance, so I'm going to create something that I can sell to make money versus using a spiritual healing technique to heal whatever is in my awareness that's blocking the flow of that spiritual quality. Those would be things defined as magic. So hypnotherapy would be defined as magic. Um, all forms of medicine would be, as you know, Western medicine and things like that as we think of it. And even acupuncture and things like that, we could say, are magic. Now, uh, I remember having a conversation with Gary Renard about this years ago, uh, right after the time his then fiance, Cindy, now his wife was, uh, she was graduating from the University of Santa Monica with a degree in spiritual psychology, and she was getting a some kind of a certification in hypnotherapy. And I, I asked Gary, I said, wouldn't you say hypnotherapy is magic? And he said, well, yes, and sometimes that's how we work with the ego to let the pattern go or to let the belief go or to do the healing in the mind is uh, the ego will allow the release of whatever is the root cause by means of this magical thing. And it it's according to our underlying intention and I would say the desire of our heart. Um, so someone uses hypnotherapy to quit smoking, let's say, and it's not that the hypnotherapy actually works. It's that I go into that with an intention to stop hurting myself and stop um, suppressing my feelings and, and or whatever the meaning is that we make of the smoking, whatever the root cause is that for the reason we're smoking, that the hypnotherapy would address that root cause because that's my true intention. That's that's what he said. And I thought, okay. And I wondered, for instance, um, I know people that have uh, phobias. 
of different kinds. And let's just say, say, phobia of um, being in enclosed spaces like elevators and things like that. And I, and so if we think about using uh, hypnotherapy to heal that, um, my my question was, well, let's say that. Um, you could use hypnotherapy to heal the phobia of fear of being in enclosed spaces. But might that same root cause then show up as a different kind of a pattern? That was a question I have. And so for me, I like to use spiritual methods. And when I was in so much pain last uh, summer with my back, I used spiritual methods and I used acupuncture and chiropractic. And yesterday I went to the chiropractor and the acupuncturist because I'd been sitting for days and days and traveling long flights, etc. And I knew that it would help with my body but it wasn't the only methods that I used and the working with the resurrection flame it to me is not magic at all it's because we're working with the resurrection flame for the purpose of purification to eliminate the cause of suffering that is not part of our blueprint. So we were looking at the book uh, Testimony of Light, and I was recommending that you look at how many references there are to blueprint and where she talks about the blueprint of perfection, the ideal blueprint for your life, and that in your life review you compare the blueprint of what you intended and then the blueprint of what actually happened. So I am the resurrection and the life of the uh, perfect blueprint of my physical body. We're moving back to that. We're restoring that. And so by working with that affirmation, working with that ray, we're saying I'm willing to give up Everything that's not part of the blue, perfect blueprint of my physical body, emotional body, of my relationships, my finances, my um, etheric body, mental body, spiritual body, all those different aspects of our life. And so we're, it's, it's that work that we're doing is saying, I am actively surrendering everything that is not part of my perfect blueprint that is not part of my true identity everything that I made up everything that is illusory I'm surrendering it I'm going for the full restoration and resurrection of my perfection in my own mind so that I can manifest it and demonstrate it in the world and remember our willingness is all that's required so for me working with that resurrection ray or any of those rays is a fast track it's a fast track to the healing that we're desiring and 
Remember in A Course in Miracles, Jesus tells us that when we're seeing things correctly, we will see our brothers and sisters as they truly are, and we will see them as the great rays. So the great rays are those spiritual qualities energetically. We are light beings serving the light that we are. And we are uh, experiencing these great rays as the full spectrum of light. Is do you have a, is there another question or uh, any, anything else that or does uh, that make sense to you, Philip? Uh, thank you. That makes uh, something I will re-listen to, and um, yeah, I think it answers it. Thank you. Yeah, and if you look at what um, what are the qualities of that flame of resurrection, it's primarily ministration of the love of Christ. So what does that mean? To me, it means being in service to the light. So the love of Christ to me is the light. We are the light. And ministration to me is being of service to. When I'm ministering to, I'm being of service to. So that's the main quality of the resurrection ray. It's... uh, and in, in, in the Sacred Flames, it talks about being of selfless service to the light, to our fellow beings, our brothers and sisters, and being devoted to our brothers and sisters. And, of course, this is the primary thing that A Course in Miracles talks about, that our brothers and sisters are our salvation. And what it says, absolutely the greatest service we can provide to our brothers and sisters is to see them as they truly are, which is to see the Christ in them. So this resurrection ray that Lord Sananda, who is Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, who is Lady Nada, they are the Chohans of the Resurrection Ray. And so you can see, at least I can see, the teachings of A Course in Miracles are Six-Ray teachings. They're teachings of the highest service that you can give to yourself and to your brothers and sisters is to see their perfection. And as you see it in them, you will see it in yourself. This is the greatest service that you can provide, and it is your salvation. And so, uh, also, the resurrection ray is about being devoted and really communing with God. And if you think about the seven rays as being, in a sense, you could say there are seven steps. Sometimes it feels that way to me. So <clears throat> the first ray being God's will, the blue ray of divine will. So aligning with divine will is the first stage in our awakening. We have to recognize that there Divine will is our will because we're one with God. And so being willing to align our free will with the will of God is that first step 
to our So here, the sixth oh, ray. Going in and out again. Okay. Um, thank you for telling me. <laughs> did, did you, do you feel like you missed a sub? No. I okay. just want to get, let you know right away. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate that. Uh, so. Second hmm. ray. <laughs> So, yep, and you can see how you, you go through the rays, and um, so, I mean, we, we, can go, we can go that way. We can go through all the, the rays if you like, um, but I also would like to give just any attention that we can to anybody's intention for the holidays. But if nobody would like to speak about that, I, I think there's such power in saying, okay, this Thanksgiving, this is what I'm holding for myself and for my family. I have an intention. Beautiful, so Linda. My intention is to be um, gentle and loving with myself mm -hmm. uh, and supportive uh, for my mom and my sister and my son um, as we go through Thanksgiving Day without my dad. Um, yeah. So just gentle and loving and supportive. You see, not there? I don't mean to be... <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, he's the, he's here, but in the physical, you know, the 3D world, he is not here. That's funny that you said that because I was when I was walking with one of my girlfriends uh, a couple of days ago, and I we were talking about my dad, and I said that, and just as I said that, a peregrine falcon like flew just above our heads. I said, I know, Dad. I know you're there. <laughs> it's just he keeps telling me to stop saying that. I know he's here. He's just not in the physical world that we seem to be living in. He's not in my dream world anymore, I suppose. So, yeah, he's here. <laughs> he's not here. <laughs> Well, here's a question for you, Linda. Mm -hmm. What do you think that could come up during Thanksgiving weekend where you would be challenged? What could come up? Um, setting the table. Hmm. So not setting a place for him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One. Mm hmm Well, you could set a place for him. Mm-hmm. Could put his picture there or just feel inclusive of him. <clears throat> and to remind you that he is with you. Yeah. 
Plus, it means I have to make the mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> he always did that for me. Mm. So, yeah, just a little stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to remember that it's okay to miss him. And you know what else, too? One of the most common things for people whose loved ones have made their transitions is, particularly people who don't have a deep spiritual practice, is it's It's okay Sorry, for Janice. <laughs> yeah, you're. You went blank again. I'll, I'll okay. won't remind you. you. Can you no? Yep, you do seem to be fading in and out occasionally. Okay, I'll switch to. So saying that it can be challenging for people who don't have a deep spiritual practice, or even for those who do, that it's okay not to miss someone. It's also okay to have it be okay. Yeah. So, for instance, when my mom passed away, um, I was pretty okay with it and I had to work with like is it okay that it's okay or am I just in denial of my feelings mm-hmm. so it shifts and changes well it doesn't remain the same but it can seem it's very very common for people have this thought, this belief that if I'm not grieving, if I'm not upset, it means I didn't really love them or care about them. Which isn't true. Yeah. <laughs> I still miss them. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this is the core. We're getting at our core, 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 core healing. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Because we are totally used to seeing and being with people in the physical, and our belief system is changing or, or opening to that there's more than just that. So, I certainly mm-hmm. can feel what you're feeling. Then, yeah. Linda. Thanks. Yep, because our feelings point us to what we believe and what we think. Yeah.
well, I believe that he's here, but I still think my family would think I was crazy if I was talking to him out loud. <laughs> and that's probably a judgment, but. Well, they might be comforted by it, too. You never, I mean, do you really know? No, I don't. I mean, what if you did say, uh, hey, everybody, I'd like to set a place for Dad Mm -hmm. at the table to acknowledge that he's still with us in spirit. He's not going anywhere in spirit. That People might find that comforting. It doesn't mean that you're seeing him walk around the house and things like that. Mm -hmm. But you're just feeling his presence. It's very rare for people who are connected to their loved ones that they don't feel their presence after they've passed. Oh, yeah. I I feel (laughs) him all the time. So being able to talk about that might be helpful to your family. Yeah. And they might make fun of you and laugh at you, but wouldn't that be okay? Yeah. Laughter's always good. Exactly. It's not like, it, I, I imagine that it wouldn't be like you would be saying, uh, Linda, you know, he's here, he's here with us now. I can feel him now. You need to recognize, I mean, you're not going to take that approach, so it'll be loving and lighthearted, and it might be really helpful to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's often very helpful you. to people just to be able to talk about your feelings, you know? Yeah, and I like the idea of setting a place for them at the table. But yeah. wouldn't it also be a possibility where it may bring up a lot of emotion on the other people and maybe we don't people are not going to be comfortable with that um i don't i don't think my family will have a problem with that because i know my sister and my mom and i have all been feeling it the last few weeks mm-hmm. because we've talked about it Just little waves of sadness, you know? Mm-hmm. Linda, I just think it's so healthy to, uh, you know, to listen to you talk and to hear you say feel it. You know, you're allowing your feelings. Yeah. I know when um, my mom... When my dad died, I just I didn't I didn't let anything come through. I just blocked it all. <laughs> I didn't want to feel it. So I think that's I just want to I just want to acknowledge you for that. I think that's that's beautiful. Yeah, thanks, Mary. Yeah, I mean he's all over the place. I mean, and the the Peregrine Falcon thing. That's not the first time <laughs> that I've seen a Peregrine Falcon walking with my friend. Audrey, um, one time a few weeks ago when we were walking, we just turned this corner and there was a peregrine falcon sitting on a speed limit sign. Like Mm. we would have seen it half a block away had we been looking at the sign, but we didn't until we turned the corner. And then it just like took off and we went, holy, you know, just it startled us. 
And then um, just about a week or so ago when we were walking, um, we found a dime and a penny while we were walking. And um, when my mom was in the hospital, my dad uh, went home. This was just a day or two after her surgery. And he got the notion that he had to pull the refrigerator out and vacuum underneath the refrigerator. And underneath the refrigerator, he found a dime and a penny. And so he stuck it in his pocket. And when he was done vacuuming under the refrigerator, he looked on the kitchen table and there was a dime and a penny. And he thought maybe he had stuck the first dime and penny on the table, but no, they were still in his pocket. So he picked up that dime and that penny. And then later on, he went into his bedroom, and on top of his dresser was a dime and a penny. (laughs) And, um, you know, so he found 33 cents, and we talked about that quite often after my mom's surgery because I was Hmm. discussing with him the angel numbers and, you know, how they have significance in our lives and... um, So it was a gift to find that dime and that penny as we were walking. So I know he's around all the time. I get signs from him all the time. Mm. Moira, you're unmuted if you'd like to share. Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, I'm really pleased to hear um, Linda you know, your last few stories, you know, um, you know, for your sake, that, you know, you really do know his spirit is is present. And um, But I thought I'd like to share um, my experiences after both my parents died. Um, uh, Jennifer, I, I think you said about 10 minutes ago, our feelings show us the truth of what we believe. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. Well, um, I, I recognise that I'm now a very body-centred person. You know, in the last decade or decade and a bit. And um, when my dad died in '96, he had Parkinson's, and mm. um, he was, you know, 83, and he wasn't his true self. You know, he wasn't his real self, his earthly personality, for about six months, perhaps, before he died. And when he died, you know, it was, well, you know, it was sad, and I cried a little bit, but, you know, <clears throat> he was old, and, you know, being brought up Catholic, we don't really fear death, and we knew that Dad was fine. But then on the night of his funeral, after everyone had left our house, um, I just was sitting quietly at my desk and I just sort of thought of Dad and I was aware of feeling him not present or so much, but I, I sort of tuned into him and what I felt was him as his best self when he was alive on earth. Mm. I felt um, the clouds of Parkinson's and 
you know, the associated dementia and his illness were gone. And I was suddenly sort of feeling him as his mm. best self when he was alive on earth. So that was wonderful. Um, and I would never, and I would never have told you that that's what I believed, but that's what I felt. So I'm kind of inclined to think that that told me more of a, a, a perhaps an objective truth outside my own mind because I didn't have any intellectual beliefs about that. So that was my feeling experience of him. You know, that a week after he died, or however long the funeral was, he, his spirit, his energy was once again his true, clear, best self on earth. And then after my mum died, a year and a half ago, um, my brother rang me oh, maybe a couple of hours after she died, or maybe four or five hours after she died. And... Um, at first I, well, actually, um, I, I just thought of her while I was on the phone to him. I just sort of tuned into her, you know, just thought of her. And I felt nothing but complete peace and calm. And I thought, well, that's where she is. That's how she is right now she's in a place of complete peace and calm and once again I wouldn't have told you that that's what I intellectually believed but my experience was and has been every time I've thought of her ever since she died was just peace calm security happiness and um, yeah so my feelings are telling me something, definitely. Um, and they're actually educating me. Um, I think I've actually shifted my beliefs, although I don't really worry about the intellectual verbalisation of the beliefs, but I've actually expanded my beliefs through, my, through those experiences. Mm-hmm. And if they're true for me, there's probably some truth for other people, if, even if they're not so bodily centred in their emotions as I am. There might be some objective truth about to that. Absolutely. Hmm. More, yeah, thank you. More and Linda? Yes. Um, I have to share something just now that just happened. Um, so I had a thought that Manuela shared uh, kind of a, a funny Thanksgiving thing on Facebook a couple of days ago. I just had this impulse to go and share it with the group because I thought it would be funny. <laughs> so I go and open Facebook, and my dad died when I was 17. During Thanksgiving, I opened Facebook, and my sister, I literally just turned on my iPad, opened Facebook, and it went right to my sister's post 
And I get many posts with my dad's picture on it. Oh, wow. So that's interesting mm-hmm. based on our conversation just, tonight. Did that happen just now? Just this very second. That's why I'm sharing it right now. It's hard to believe. She says, it's hard to believe that 40 years ago that my dad, Warren Metzler, died at the young age of 56. Thanksgiving week was changed with the life altering event. I'm thankful for parents who loved each and God and gave me a foundation for who I am today. Sorry. I mean, that's not a coincidence that that just happened. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah, we all our dads I... having Thanksgiving together. <laughs> yeah, it's a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an intention with all this, what we've been talking about came to me just now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I don't have any plans to physically be in the proximity of my family or anything. But and my father um has been his body's been passed away and I, I, I kinda have I used to have a lot of <sighs> wounds still that I thought was he he had contributed to but now, because of my experience with my neighbor and this talking, people talking about, um, just the people talking about people who've been gone and stuff. So I, what came up for me is um, I may not be in the same proximity as my family and my father really is what came to my mind, is that I would be interested because holidays are kind of the focus of love and, and really um, kindness and um, being um, compassionate and stuff. So I, I think I'm willing to uh, connect with my family and especially my father's higher self during the holidays and just kind of... Um, I don't know, connect in ways we may not be able to in the world and um like interested in that. Mm. Yes. The night that my grandmother died, my mother's mother, and I was pretty, I was really close to her. Um, at the exact moment of her death, I woke up and looked at the clock, and I knew something had happened. And then the next day I found out that she had passed away. She'd made her transition, and that was the time that she made it. And I knew that there was some some farewell, some communication that she was sending me on her way to the next thing. Wow, that just reminded me that um, 
my dad's best friend Doug died in like 1983 and I was living in California at the time and he died at, at Thanksgiving time and um I had only been living in California for a little while and I was really homesick because it was the holidays and I remember talking to my parents <laughs> and telling them that I had had this dream that I woke up and Doug was sitting at the end of my bed and he was telling me that my dad was going to be okay. And I didn't understand what that was all about. They didn't have the, they didn't have the heart to tell me that Doug had passed away because they knew I was feeling homesick and kind of melancholy and sad already. (laughs) And um, so when I, after I said that, of course, then they did, they had to tell me that he had passed away. But I thought, um after my dad passed away that there was a a picture that we have um a snapshot I don't even know where it is now of him and his buddy Doug uh all bundled up with gown vests uh walking in the woods at um Prescott State Park in the fall and I just imagine that almost immediately after he passed that the two of them were walking in the woods somewhere. Mm. So I just thought, that's interesting that Doug passed away around Thanksgiving, and that's the first major holiday that we're having to go through. So it'll be, I think I'll bring that up on Thursday. Because I mm. think that'll bring comfort to my mom and my sister, too. And I invite you too, Linda, to, and you don't have to make this a um, a big project, but just start to notice, and everyone can notice what triggers you into a feeling of melancholy, and what are the thoughts that you're thinking when you feel that melancholy, and how does the melancholy feel to you? Because in the holidays, there there are triggers for a lot of people into that feeling of melancholy. I I used to experience a lot of melancholy. Yeah. Well, I know part part of it is fear because I don't wish to. Um, allow myself to delve into a depression, which I have mm-hmm. done in the and and part of it is um, it feels like um, a restraint like um, if I let it go that it won't stop kind of thing um, that I feel like I used to do more often years ago, like not show my feelings at all, mm-hmm. not allow to express them. That's probably most of it. Well, when you notice you're feeling it, you can pay attention to what you're thinking 
and also how it feels. You know, you can just make it part of your being observant of what's going on. Yeah. Mhm. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I thank everyone for their deep sharing. Would anybody like to add anything? Okay. So what I'm knowing for all of us is that we are setting this intention to be a loving presence in our own life and in the lives of our loved ones. Sometimes we think we know what that looks like and sometimes we don't. So we're opening ourselves to being inspired and living that inspiration. Taking a breath of love and gratitude together, we once again partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and we remember the truth of our being, which is that we are one, never separate. And our lives are eternal and infinite. Our relationships are eternal and infinite. And we're grateful and thankful to discover what that really means. We're grateful and thankful to serve the light in our own life and in our family. And we're grateful and thankful to dedicate ourselves to being a harmonious, loving, generous, gentle, kind, compassionate presence in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones. We're grateful and thankful to share the benefits with everyone. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. And I'm going to share a song that I've been saving for our Thanksgiving week. And so you probably, a lot of you know the song. Uh, If you heard it in the class last night, it's Shower the People by James Taylor. Shower the people you love with love. And, yeah, and let us also shower ourselves as being one of the people we love, showering ourselves with love, too. I bless you all, and whether you're celebrating Thanksgiving or not, I bless you all, and I'm so grateful for our spiritual family together, so, so grateful. You can So you know it wasn't written for you so Tell me how can you stand there with your broken heart Ashamed of playing the fool But one thing can lead to another It doesn't take any sacrifice
Things are gonna be much 